Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to hear from Heather Ann Thompson, author of the book Blood in the Water, who won the Pulitzer Prize earlier this week for history. Uh, Heather is a good friend of the show, and uh, we have interviewed her before for our podcast, Created Equal. Uh, We're going to hear part of that interview later, and a little later this year, we are going to do some other things with Heather and her book around the second season of Created Equal, which is coming this fall, Uh, so you're going to want to look forward to that, and also stay tuned today to hear from Heather herself. We'll also continue our conversation about the middle class in America, the shrinking of the middle class in America, with uh, Charlie Ballard, who's Michigan State University economics professor, Detroit Today producer Jake Neer, spoke with him recently, and we'll hear that interview as well. And as always, if you are just now getting to work and about to jump out of the car or you've just got something else to do and you've got to be away from the radio and can't listen to the program live, you can always go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, uh, subscribe and download Detroit Today, and then you can listen to it whenever and wherever you like. Up first, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions filed a memo last week for the Department of Justice to review all consent agreements with city police departments that were under investigation for bad policing. That includes cities such as Ferguson, Los Angeles, New Orleans, and investigations in Chicago and Baltimore. There is no coincidence in the fact that many of those cities are places where we have seen uh, men, black men and women, uh, brutalized or killed by police departments and in Baltimore and in Ferguson, we have seen recent disturbances uh, that are related to that relationship between uh, the police department and the black community. The Detroit Police Department was operating with oversight from the Department of Justice not so long ago to fix problems with brutality and some other issues in the 1990s. And that working relationship seems to have been effective and good for the overall health of the department. But It took a long time. What can the Justice Department under AG Sessions learn from the work done in Detroit? This is a conversation we want to have over a long period of time here on the show as AG Sessions decides how he will deal with these uh, tensions that exist between uh, police and uh, various communities here in America. And we must start today with Warren Evans, who is the current Wayne County executive, but was the Uh, chief of the Detroit Police Department uh, for a critical time during this consent decree. Warren, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, You were chief at a time when uh, Mayor Dave Bing uh, took office and had had sort of pledged to speed up the process of this consent decree. It had been hanging around for a long time. We were, I think, 46% or something done at that point, or I mean, some some miserable number. After six uh, years. After six years. Uh, he said, we're going to get out from under this, and you were uh, the person in charge of that. Talk about uh, Talk about what that meant, and what were the things that we needed to do to, to, to change this relationship uh, that police here had with citizens. Also talk a little about what inspired that consent decree, the behavior uh, inside the department that got the Justice Department's attention. 
Well, yeah, let's let's start at the beginning then and what, you know, some of the root causes were. I mean, obviously there were there were a number of things in the police relationship with the community, but one of them that really stood out was uh the fact that in in the uh desire to close some cases, significant violent cases, witnesses were round up and held drag netting. In, yeah, yeah. Held in police headquarters with no probable cause, nothing for a period of time to try to get them to elicit some response. Uh, another part of it was obviously fatal shootings. Um, I mean, we had a, a real spat uh, of fatal shootings, officer-involved shootings for a period of time. Yeah. And I know that firsthand because I was in the prosecutor's office during part of that time and actually headed up the police investigations, uh, headed up the prosecutor's investigations of the of the police shootings. So there were those, and then there were the conditions of confinement issues about the conditions in police precincts for of people who were being held. So yeah. those were the uh, initial egregious issues. And, and you get into a multifaceted discussion when you get past that, which is why did it take so long to fix it? Sure. Uh, and were the fixes good for the city of Detroit? Uh, I, I think overall, certainly the fixes uh, are good. I don't think you could ever argue that the fixes uh, were good. I mean, the fixes signify that you you're working constitutionally and right. that's one thing i think gets lost in the mix with uh the current attorney general and others i don't hear enough reference to doing things legally it's more does this fit the agenda uh, of the president and you know with with no disrespect intended the agenda of the president should not supersede the laws of the land the constitution so, absolutely yeah. so, uh, I, I think they were but i think one thing when you go back and look at it is how much money was expended to do it uh, and how much time did it take, and why did it take so long? Yeah, uh, you say that there's no question that the the ultimate effect of this was good for the city. When you're brought in to 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 make this work, though, uh, it, it was it was sort of a mess. I mean, there was a real problem uh, with uh, the department with. Uh, some of the some of the relationships that existed with the monitors uh, and and the department. I mean, it, this was not an easy thing to get done. I imagine. No, but it's a, but it's a manager's job to get it done, and so it's a it's an approach that you have to have. One of the uh, things, and anybody that understands paramilitary organizations or police work at all, is there's usually a central core unit that's responsible in quotes for the consent decree. Right. Yeah. And the real work has to get done in the precincts throughout the city. Uh, and the translation of thought downtown in a unit to practical application out in a precinct, yeah. it just doesn't, just doesn't get it. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you, what you have to do is get the people that are running those precincts to understand the importance of the team play and this needs to be done. And they have to be held accountable for the results. Yeah. Uh, this is a city that has its own history with regard to the relationship between uh, the police department and the black community, the police department and some other marginalized uh, communities. Uh, today, you will hear a lot of people talk about how different that relationship is than it was historically. And they they point to this consent decree as the, uh, as the reason. Talk about what fundamentally changed uh, in terms of the way that officers approach their jobs here in the city uh, as a result of, of that Justice Department involvement? You know, I, I think the biggest changes came before that. The biggest changes came when uh, uh, Mayor Coleman Young, whether you like him or don't, sure, committed to having 
a representative number of, of people of color on his police department representing a city yeah. of majority people of color. And I think that had significant importance. And the other thing was it was in that period of time when the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration was providing grants to help educate police officers. Many police officers of color took advantage of that, got college degrees, moved up the ranks. And so it wasn't just a bunch of people of color in the police department, sure. but there were representative numbers of people of color Sergeants, throughout the entire structure yeah. of the department. And I think that had an awful lot to do, probably more than anything else, with the um, with the feeling of citizens yeah. with the police. Yeah. Uh, still in all, I mean, you, you had this these, these things going on that inspired Justice Department intervention. Uh, talk about the things that you changed or the, and that, that, that ultimately led us to get out from under uh, Justice Department uh, supervision. I, I think the issues were, you know, just things of accountability to take it seriously enough to understand this isn't just uh, a bureau or a unit of the department that fights with all of the rest of them to try to get things done. This is the law of the land that has not been uh, enforced the way it should in the Detroit Police Department, and people have to be held accountable for getting it done. And yeah. so um, in the short period of time that I was there, um, we doubled the compliance, which still didn't get us out of it. I think we, if I remember correctly, we were around 40% compliance when I got there. Yeah. Uh, and we took it up to 75 or 80, which got you close to the finish line. And, right. and my successors, uh, you know, uh, completed that. I th- actually, I think uh, uh, the current chief was the was chief when it when we when we when got, got it out done. Of it, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious, and and this may be an unfair question uh, to you, and tell me if it is. I'm curious when you look at other cities like Baltimore, like Ferguson, these places where we've seen this kind of conflict between the community and the police department uh, and then justice department uh, intervention to try to to try to fix what what got broken i wonder if you if you see things uh, in those cities in those departments that you say well this is what's different between there and and here this is what they're this is what we do and this is how we sort of Operate in a different in a different space than than those other departments. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a fair or unfair question, but I, I'll usually try to tackle them whether they are or they aren't. And I think one <laughs> I of the that. one of the things uh, in, in in this city is that there has been a level of empowerment uh, of people of color throughout the entire city. Not yeah. just not just the police department, but city council and and other places. And so it it. To Detroiters, they didn't feel like Detroiters of color didn't feel like outsiders in a city that they were represented sure. in, whether they represented was good or bad. I mean, that's an individual decision, but they saw people that look like them in leadership roles in different places. And so I think while tension exists, and there's no question that there isn't, I I, I didn't see the powder keg yeah. Uh, kind of thing that I see see in Ferguson and some other places. And then if you look at the department and ask the questions, you'll find that 5% of the police department are people of color and 50% of your population. You know, there's probably a correlation there between right. that disparity and tension that people feel. Yeah. 
this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Warren Evans. He's the Wayne County Executive, former chief of the Detroit Police Department. We are talking about the relationship between police departments and the Justice Department. Uh, Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions says he wants to review consent agreements in cities like Ferguson, Chicago, and Baltimore, places where the relationship between police and uh, citizens has uh, sort of hit an apex uh, in terms of uh, conflict and where we've seen uh, brutality take place as well as some uh, sort of demonstrations in, in a couple of those cities. Uh, he says maybe there's a different way to do these things. We're talking about what we did here in the city of Detroit to reform the police department. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the idea of consent decrees and police departments. Is this the way to improve police community relations? Do we need them? Uh, do we need them in cities like uh, Ferguson and Baltimore and Chicago? And if the Trump administration backs away from those consent agreements, what is the path to uh, reform that? What, what, what is it going to look like? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, you know, I, I wonder what you think the Detroit uh, department would look like if we hadn't had the consent decree, if we hadn't had that relationship with the Justice Department, what would be going on uh, in policing here? Well, it, we certainly would have had a, had a worse condition. But, I mean, please understand that a consent agreement is a reactive approach. Yes. And that true. reactive approach occurs because the department hasn't taken the proactive approach to properly supervise, train, and deal with its people. So it's not like it's an inevitable conclusion everywhere that that's the case. Unfortunately, more places uh, than should be. But, yeah. I mean, the right leadership avoids doesn't you get know, into that, that sort situation of thing. in but, the first yeah, place. Right. But, I mean, once you get in that situation, you're not going to get out uh, without dynamite. Yeah. And, and the consent agreement winds up being the, the dynamite to kind of blast yourself out of that uh, mess that you're in. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Hal in Detroit. Hal, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning. Hey. Yeah, I was just listening to the conversation between you two, and I, I was thinking – uh, most of these dissent, uh, consent decrees, of course, uh, occur. Uh, it's an imposition from the federal government on the local uh, policing areas. I, I think one of the things that we forget is that we're supposed to be the police. Policing is supposed to be a local issue, and I think it's very important that we get government, especially the federal government, out of local policing. And uh, I'm hoping that with the sessions that he'll come in. And he'll encourage uh, you know, the elimination of a lot of these consent decrees. Yeah. So how? So how? It's true that policing is a local issue, but we have a federal constitution that protects people's civil rights. And when local governments infringe on those civil rights, it's not just the prerogative of the Justice Department; it's the obligation of the Justice Department to come in and enforce those laws, those provisions of the Constitution. Uh, why? Do, why do you think that's inappropriate? alleged civil rights violations of our concocted baloney that have come up in the last 30 years. And it's about time 
that as a society we allege civil rights. So it's not it's not a violation of someone's civil rights to nowadays they say everything is a civil rights violation and it it gets in the way of police doing their 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 absolute okay uh, their, their duty to enforce the law. Well, I so, think I think I think Attorney General Sessions would probably agree with you, even though I don't, uh, Hal. Uh, but uh, but I appreciate the call. I appreciate your thoughts. I want to give uh, uh, Warren Evans a chance to to respond. Uh, are we making too much of the question of you know civil rights infringements by police agencies? Well, I mean, in core areas and in core incidents that that have created some of the uh, the Justice Department investigations, there were serious justifiable. <laughs> I mean, justified in the sense that they occurred instances that were violations of people's constitutional rights. The caller is probably true that on the periphery of that, there is, you know, a a lot of people will throw uh, confetti up in the air and hope it sticks. Uh, And those, you know, uh, may be issues that uh, we shouldn't waste a lot of time on. But at its core, I don't think any of these cities have had uh, consent agreements come up as a result of just general speculation. They were. I mean, you think about what some of the things that led to the consent uh, agreement here. Uh, I can remember the incident with the, the deaf uh, citizen who had a rake, uh, who was threatening people and then was waving it at the police. And the response was uh, to shoot him uh, as opposed to sort of trying to get the rake from him. I mean, that kind of uh, use of force, excessive use of force is is the kind of thing that, that we're talking about here. We're not talking yeah. about minor minor transgressions. Perfect. And that's a perfect example because it gets to the theory of what are the police legally obligated to do? In other words, are the police legally obligated to retreat? Right. Right. You may argue no, but are you morally obligated to retreat because you value human life uh, and you don't see a rake as a significant threat to your life, especially, I mean, that's that's a prime example of uh, I, I think we're training and things are really important. Uh, you know, it, part of the mentality, and I accept part of this myself, uh, with the cops is everything's black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very different. And, 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 you know, and the, you know, so the ability to sit there and look at a situation and evaluate, evaluate it past the immediate situation. Do yeah. I, is it important that I kill this man? Right. It is not. He has a rake. I will go back and get in my car. I will roll up the windows. I will lock the door. I will drive around the block if I need to. It is not worth his life. Again, yes. my you know yeah. my my view, yeah. uh, and I think it should be the view of of police officers that see their job as broader than just a mechanical function, yeah. uh, but as a part of a community. Yeah. Okay, Warren Evans, Wayne County Executive, former Chief of the Detroit Police Department. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue that conversation over the next few months as Attorney General Jeff Sessions rolls out his way of dealing with these issues. You'll want to stay tuned to that for that. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the history of the middle class here in Michigan with Charlie Ballard of Michigan State University. Stay with us on Detroit Today.